This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dune, the new film adaptation of Frank Herbert's landmark novel, was a box office hit over the weekend, raking in $40 million in the U.S. and tallying around $220 million globally. But was the movie any good? Three hardcore Dune fans give you their impressions. I'm Roger Chang, and The Sleeper Has Awakened. We're, we're going to take a break from our normal, regular news cycle to do something fun, something that we've been wanting to do for more than a year, and that's talk about Dune. Joining me is CNET TV expert David Katzmeyer, while my producer, Brian Van Gelder, will make a rare appearance on the show to join in on this conversation. Welcome, guys. Great to be here. I will not fear, for fear is the mind killer. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just going to be quoting Dune lines for the rest of this podcast, um, I'm going to have to salute you afterwards. I don't know. Uh, so a word of warning. Uh, we will go into spoilers around both the the movie and the book, which is at this point decades old. Uh, but if you know nothing about Dune and want to keep it that way, I suggest turning off the podcast and coming back later. So last warning. All right, on with the discussion. The film directed by Denis Villeneuve is an adaptation of a very complex and groundbreaking novel from Herbert. Uh, it's largely based on the desert planet Arrakis, also known as Dune. It's the most important location in the universe because it's the sole source of spice used for everything from navigating space to extending your life. So the books and this film are anchored around the conflicts that arise from the struggle to control Arrakis. Uh, that that's a very that doesn't do justice to like the full complexity of the, the book, but it's a good kind of summary as we get into this. Uh, and, and as I said, this is something that we've all been waiting for for a long, long time. So now that it's out. And we've watched it. We all watched it in different ways. So it'll be interesting to talk about that. But what did you think? Was it worth the wait? David, why don't you go first? Ah, it's been such a long wait, Roger. I'm so excited. Uh, a huge fan. You know, I, I, I love the David Lynch movie. I'll get that out of the way now. Most people hate it, but it was, uh, still is uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. But this one was basically just as good, if not better. I mean, it's a better movie for sure in a lot of different ways. The thing that I loved the most about it was the scale. Uh, you know, I've read the books multiple times. I, I have this, these visions of, of what that world looks like, what that universe looks like with the people, the, the sandworms, the, 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 the devices, the ships, uh, you know, the ornithopters, what all that looks like. And it was brought to life in such a way that, you know, I was like, this just matches what I've seen and surpasses in a lot of ways. I'll give you an example, the scale of the ships just landing on the planets and opening up these massive doors and spewing out representatives of the emperor or the, the Atreides armies, or even, you know, the, 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 the invading armies of the Harkonnen, uh, when they take over, uh, the, the desert city, it's, it's all, it was also huge and also, kind of alien and futuristic, but also organic. And I love that because one of the premises of, of the of the books is is this kind of rejection of technology and adaptation of, of human, uh, you know, uh, uh, powers, uh, you know, again, augmented by the spice. It was a melange of awesomeness. I'll stop there. That, that is an excellent way to put it. Brian, what'd you think? 
I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, Cats. Uh, my biggest takeaway from it is, one, the soundtrack slaps. Uh, two, the cast <laughs> yeah. is phenomenal. Yes. And just to expand on what you said about the scale, like sheer world building. We have not seen world building like this since Game of Thrones, since Lord of the Rings. And we've never really seen it to this kind of detail and scale in a space setting, in a true outer space sci-fi kind of setting. Like... Star Wars, it's its own breed, but this is something different, man. Like, and 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 I'm I'm with you. I love the the Lynch film. I think it's got its own charm and atmosphere that you just can't get anywhere else. It's a, it's a unique experience. But this this is deadly accurate. It doesn't lean on exposition, and it you it moves. It's got great pacing. Yeah, that's that's a great point because it for a two and a half hour movie, it didn't feel like a two and a half. It like felt short to me, frankly. Keep in mind, I had to watch it over two nights because I started really late on Friday night. But uh, I will have I have one, I guess, controversial opinion on this. It, it's changed a bit, but when I finished that film, uh, I, I I thought as a as a cinematic movie experience, a complete movie experience, I did find it a little disappointing, and I think that's because it is adapting half the book and it was half the story, and it just sort of ended in no real great way, like. I agree with pretty much everything you guys say about the the cinematography, the cast, the the scale, the grandness of it all, the world building. But at least as I exited the weekend and I thought more about it, I was like, uh, like if this was, keep in mind, this was not uh, the, the the second movie had not been greenlit yet. Like we found out a couple of days later, or yesterday, I think that it was officially greenlit. So in my mind, this was this theoretically could have been the one Dune movie that we got, and if that was the case. I'd have to knock it a little bit because it's not a complete story. It's not even a complete movie. It feels like act one, a little bit of act two, and then just like, stop. This is always going to be a sexology. Like, there's no way in hell that they don't get through at least six movies out of the at least original um, Herbert storyline. And it's probably going to be a lot more, let's be honest. A lot of people have been in the same page as you saying that this should have been a miniseries like an HBO Max limited yep. run kind of yeah. thing. But I mean, you're right. It's not a complete story. But 2023, we get Dune Part 2. And and then in 2024, you get the Denny Villeneuve director's cut six hour edition. Mark my words. That would be amazing. I would totally I would totally watch that. And we we, we will talk about sort of the future of this franchise in a bit. But I, I'm curious what you what you thought about. Like, like I said, my opinion changed when I found out that Dune 2 or the second half of this this book would be adapted like that. I think it was for me, it was just sort of like they made this movie. I guess they made the movie with the intention that there would be a second part for sure. But then like it all kind of like everything, the rules went out the window when the pandemic hit. And like we didn't know if we were going to get a first part. And that's kind of what left me with like my immediate reaction after I ended the movie was just sort of like, oh, that's this is going to be really horrible if this is it. Like if they never make another Dune movie. That would just be like the like uh, that. That's I, what that was my fear because just like what if the movie had bombed? What if it like they just decide we're not gonna do this anymore? And that was it. And that that had me a little freaked out. I'm glad again Dune Two is coming. Uh, or, but, or Denny was so pissed that he because because it went straight to streaming and and he he was just not happy about that whole thing. He really wanted it to be theatrical exclusive. If he just goes screw this, you know, let let somebody else direct it. I I I Roger, I see your point. 
personally, I, I, of course, going into it, I knew that, you know, that was in a lot of spoiler-free reviews, including one on CNET that Rich did, Rich Trenholm, great review. If you guys haven't read it yet, it's it's really worth reading. Um, but anyway, I knew it was going to end, you know, abruptly. And me and you were talking about where it was going to end. And actually, I was pretty satisfied with where it ended because it, it feels like a natural break again. I, I'm, I know what's going to happen. I'm not, you know, missing out on, on that back half of the story. And if I was someone who was fresh to the story, that would probably bug the hell out of me, you know, because it really does just go, okay, now what, you know, and, and they march off into the desert and, 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 you know, you finally, you know, get to see Chani on, on stage after seeing her in his mind for the entire right. movie, you know? Right. So it's, it's, that's, that's all kind of TBD, but you do get a lot of taste of that. You know, he does kind of intersperse in these these future prescient visions uh, of 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 you know what's going to happen in part two. So at least you get that that sense of setup and and anticipation. Uh, but yeah, you know, if I was going to knock one thing, I'm with you. I honestly, I would knock it for not depicting a lot of the things that I imagined and th that David Lynch did because he did do the whole movie, The Emperor. I'd like to see more Harkonnen, things like that. Um, you know, there was that one section where they showed Salusa Secundus. Uh, where the, the Sardaukar from, and it was like, it was just the throwaway thing was like, you know, oh, yeah. five minutes, right? And, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think in the director's cut, you guys are talking about, we're going to get, we're going to get some more of that. You know, it, it felt like one of those things that they left on the cutting room floor, but yeah. You brought up a good point about streaming, by the way. And I, and I, cause I, I'd love to kind of get your, your impressions on like how the movie was. Cause you, you two watched it. Did you both watch it in IMAX movie theaters or? Oh, hell yeah. 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 I, and I watched it at home. Like I, I, I watched an HBO Max on the biggest TV I could find, which was you know a sixty inch TV, but obviously not an IMAX screen. So I'm curious. Like, this is is this a movie that should be watched on IMAX? Do you think I, I I did myself a bit of a disservice? No, like I and take away the fact that like I obviously have obligations and it was hard to get out. But did I do myself a disservice by not watching this on IMAX screen? Roger, you're a dad. You're a busy guy. We're not going to shame you for staying home, sure. but I do feel like in uh, about <laughs> in about 24, 48 hours, you might shame yourself after talking to us about it. Because yeah, this one was worth the trip. Literally the first movie I've been to see since you know the pa pandemic struck last Same. year, and it was it was the right way to get back into the game. Uh, to Brian's point about the soundtrack, I saw it with my friend who's an audio engineer. He actually worked on uh, Mrs. Maisel and, and, you know, he's he's he just knows his audio stuff. And I was super excited to sit down next to him. And the first thing he said coming out of there, I was like, oh, my God, that score. Because, I mean, you, oh, it, really? I mean you, you I don't know what speakers you listen to it on at home, Roger. Hopefully not the TV speakers. This is going to make you even angrier. I watched this listening to one AirPod. Because my wife and I <laughs> shared one AirPod each because we didn't want to wake the kids up. Oh, the TV is like children. mounted right by the wall where my kid is on the other side. And we're like, we don't want this thing blasting AirPods. So I imagine yeah. I'm missing like I I'm missing like a big chunk of the experience of this movie. Roger, I'm dangerously close to tendering my resignation right now. I'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> is there a way to kick him off, Mr. Producer, Brian? Can we just continue this? Uh, yes, I, I have, I have all the control. <laughs> David, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Hans Zimmer's score. For one, I did not know it was Hans Zimmer, yes. and that blew me away because honestly, he's, he's an amazing arranger and composer um, and conductor for that matter, and performer if you really get into this history. But mm -hmm. as of late, his stuff has been a little bit lackluster, and I feel like that's just because he's been kind of in a in a 
factory uh what's the word i'm looking for conveyor belt like he's just been cranking stuff out he is like the go-to uh new john williams in a sense uh yeah and a lot of it just kind of gets muddled right this stands out holy cow oh it was it was constant it was constant and amazing it does feel like everyone who is part of this like raised their game like the cast was amazing uh like you could tell like the dp like everyone like Everyone seemed to have like stepped up their game for this film. Like they knew this was something special, and they they wanted to to kind of go all out because uh, it it didn't feel like there was any real weak link to the actual production of this film. Agreed. It was it, it hit out of the park. I mean, visually, again, I saw it in IMAX. It looked really good. I actually kind of can't wait to see it. I haven't saw it, seen it, you know, uh, in on HBO Max, which is streaming in Dolby Vision. Have a nice TV. I'll be able to appreciate that. It'll look better in a lot of ways. Uh, then in the theater, but obviously not as huge as the IMAX. But that, that the sound really, to me, capped the experience. I mean, there were times when it felt a little overdramatic. There's a part where the Bene Gesserit uh, takes off, the ship takes off after, you know, uh, the whole uh, fear is the mind killer uh, in, in pain uh, thing that Paul has to go through. But and, and I was like, oh, my God, this this the drama of the, the witches leaving uh, Caladan is like a little, you know, kiss you over the head. But that. That kind of feeling, it's just these waves of sound and and it it, it really, especially when you talk about the pacing, it, it really helps carry it uh, throughout the movie. And it's, 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 you know, and again, it's otherworldly. I read that they actually made up, uh, created instruments specifically uh, for the score. And there's these things that you hear, you're like, is that a didgeridoo? Or like somebody just like scraping against something, all these weird little desert sounds that are in there. Uh, it's, it's incredible. That, that, that was the, that was the ballast set. Uh, cats just for the record oh nice yeah yes there we go gurney so i i want to talk about the second half of this book since we're going into spoilers anyways well i mean what are you most excited to see out of that that second half the 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 which is really when a lot of the action takes place um what what are you what are you guys looking forward to I mean, we're, so we haven't really seen the universe. We've seen a couple planets briefly, very briefly, I would say. Uh, so we kind of robbed of that. I want to see, you know, this, uh, you know, jihad uh, go across space. Um, you know, I, I, I also want to see the, the, the maturation of, of Paul's relationship uh, with the Fremen. That, that literally just started. Um, you know, and there's, a, there's to me, I'll, I'll go full spoiler here. My, one of my favorite things of the David Lynch and 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 the the book itself is the final confrontation, uh, the battle between um, uh, the Paul and uh, the Harkonnens, uh, you know, champion and and that fight is great. Uh, you know, it's Sting in, fade, the, in the David fade, Lynch movie. It's fade he, Ratha, yeah, fade Ruatha, Ratha, yeah. yeah, the Beast Raban's brother. You know, both the the nephews of uh, of the Baron and 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 then there's the the part where Alia like literally kills the bear yes sorry but that part is amazing and david and she's like the final scene of david lynch is just like standing up there with her knife like that part i'm really i'm looking forward to alia totally you know which was again kind of hinted at in a vision anyway there's a lot of really cool stuff that i can't wait to see depicted i mean it was sort of teased in this in this film but like riding the sandworm for the first time right him and getting up on top of one and actually you almost got it yeah yeah it's like uh, yeah, yeah it was like a nice little tease um Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are there are a lot of, there are a lot of moments that I'm sort of looking forward. To. I, I'm looking forward to seeing like Princess Irulan, more of the Harkonnens. Like we, I feel like we only got a bit of a tease. Yeah, uh, you know the Beast Raban was. I mean, it was essentially a cameo. 
Yeah. Right. In this film. And like, I'd love to see some of that fleshed out. Like you said, the, the, the broader universe is so rich and hopefully we didn't see the emperor at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. or, or for that matter, a guild navigator, which again, I felt a little ripped off. That was a huge part of the David Lynch thing. Perhaps the most memorable image is the guild navigator, uh, this worm like creature and it floating in the spice. There was none of that, you know. You could see you could see peaks of that if you looked really, really close at the yep. spacing guild behind yep. their helmets. They were blatantly like pupa stage guild navigators in training. I, see, I uh, missed yeah, that. I, I was I looking hard too. at those guys. Yeah. yeah, I saw their their orange. I figured they were in you know the spice back there, but there was. They were they were very human looking, you know, and that was that was they were they were they're very young in the stages of uh, becoming a navigator. But I, I, I really where's the third stage, Brian? Where's my third stage? <laughs> hey, I wanted to say just kind of going off on what you said earlier about everybody bringing their A game. Like I, that was another takeaway that I was immediately just rambling about as I'm walking down the street with my girlfriend last night reflecting on the movie. It just you don't get involved in a project like this if you aren't invested and everybody there was invested and i just i want to make a special point to mention like how perfect in that role chalamet was he blew me away and he he's 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 an acclaimed actor an accomplished actor already definitely more believable as a 15 year old than kyle mclaughlin but that's another conversation altogether (laughs) um he doesn't come across as 15 he's not that obvious but he does play this kind of only slightly cocksure, but still very benevolent kind of youth. Uh, and, and they do such a great job hinting at how accomplished and achieved he already is in his training, right? They talk about all the teachings that he's obtained from the Bene Gesserit. And then in the world building, we see more about the hand signal and the language. And I mean, hell, this is, I think, the first time in any version that we've seen the spice visually represented as its own texture and color, right? And, and, and everything else has just been like, it's in the sand. It's part of the dust cloud. We're filming this in 480K. Uh, this is in 4K. And um, yeah, everything is gorgeous. And you can blatantly see what the spice looks like. And I mean, we visited another planet for the first time. Everything else was just like map views and the, the Lynch and stuff. I don't remember, David, in the miniseries, did we go off planet or was it always on Arrakis? No, it was, I mean, there was a little bit, but it was the miniseries on sci-fi yeah. you're yeah. talking about. Um, yeah, and that was it like, was, those were clearly was, like was, sound stages with like some, yeah, th- yeah, those were like, it didn't feel like you were on planet because the budget was, I mean, I think at the time it was, it was actually a pretty pricey TV series, TV movie, but it felt, it felt a little cheap. I mean, Fine. especially even rel- relative to the, the Lynch thing, obviously compared to this, but yeah, this really did feel like you were transported to a different world. We open in Caladan. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. They spent a lot of time on Caladan, which was uh, surprising, but really great because it gave you that nice contrast between... That's what I think I'm talking the about The water here is, and the desert, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it makes sense that they would have ships that look like dragonflies, right? They literally come from a swamp planet. I, I think yep. we're just going to see a lot more world building. Uh, like you said, David, we'll see the Navigator, more about the Emperor. They'll start opening doors because this is going to spin off. Aren't we getting like an HBO Max TV series about the Benny Gesserit Sisterhood? Like, yes. they're going yep. full franchise with this. And I think the only thing that made us all balk and hesitate was literally the pandemic, because from day one, I thought this looked good. Um, The most proficient um, Dune critics on YouTube, like Quinn's Ideas, have been in favor of this since day one. That was the first thing I did when I got home last night was watch the Quinn's Idea review and he was gushing. So I feel good. (laughs) Well, you bring up a good point about the, the idea of franchising this out, because... 
Uh, we've all read these books, and the books do not work like like the Harry Potter series or Lord of the Rings, series, where it's not where it's a continuous story. Where the second book, I mean, they do the story does continue, but like I'd argue, the second book is more critical to the series because it really deconstructs and brings up the main theme, I think, of the series, which is like never put faith in a leader. Because like the whole first book is almost like this this savior trope, right? This like knight in shining armor that that you know, overthrows the evil king and the whatever. And it is, it's more of a classical story. And then the the second and then subsequent books really kind of deconstruct that. So I'm, I'm curious how you guys think, like, is, is Hollywood going to do that? Like, is that's not like, that's not franchise friendly, I guess. Like when I, when I read these I books. Do, I don't, yeah, I don't think we're going to get the purest form of this because I mean, spoilers again, yeah, we're There's sorry. No we're, we're going there. to some serious, deep spoilers into the franchise, but I think it's worth talking about just because it's that's the direction that these if they if the if Hollywood wanted to make this a huge franchise, that's the direction that they'd have to take is to basically go back on a lot of the things that were established in book one. They would actually have to make Paul a hero, which he is not in the book. Exactly, exactly. Like that's um, the, 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 he basically is. The villain or some form there's, of it. There's no. It's not really a I mean, villain, there's, but there's, he yeah. he he definitely is responsible for a lot of atrocities towards the end of his reign. Well, you learn that the Atreides family is not polished, right? They're not as pristine as they come across, right. and they're. It, I mean, Dune is basically a political soap opera, right? But that, I guess that's my. That's why I like. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Like, do you think that Hollywood would have you know? the stones to, to make that i i mean the, it it there's a lot to uh to show you know on, on the side of, of of sticking to the books throughout this i, I think that's the real question is do, do they stick through the books or do they or do they you know go off in a different direction um and just kind of take the characters and and put them in this world and do whatever and they probably will i mean there's a lot in the later books about the bene gesserit you know that you could turn into a miniseries for example um, but you know, there's, there's some amazing imagery and some amazing things to hang on this. For example, the whole, the, the conflict that I always thought was Paul can see the future and, you know, how does, and, and, and so the future is, is predetermined and his son Leto has to, Paul can see a future. Right. Let's but be clear. Leto sees a future as well. And he, and he literally creates it, you know, through a thousand years of his lifespan as, 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 you know. In, in whatever it is book four. So that, that cycle, that, that, that weird trap of, of, of prescience is, you know, it's almost like the, a question of, of God, you know, it, what, what, how does, does God know what happens for now every single day to the end of time? And, and, and Herbert deals with that really well. I think all that can lend itself as a, as a kind of backdrop to the action. And there's still plenty of action that happens, especially in book yeah. three, book two is a little yeah. static. Um, but 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 Children of Dune has some amazing, uh, you know, just kind of space opera stuff going on. Um, and, and you know, uh, similarly, uh, the latter books. Um, so I don't know. There's to me, there's plenty of material there and they can stick pretty closely to it. I think they can definitely maintain a lot of the ambiguity and question a lot of morality, just like the books did. But I don't think Warner Brothers has the cojones to straight up martyr Paul the way he's supposed to be in the books. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I I would love to see it. I like when I after I read God Emperor of Dune, I think which was the fourth book you were alluding to. I was like, how would this ever like? Because you you sort of see, you could definitely see how the first one would be a movie, and then like as it got 
as the series went on, it was just sort of like, this is going to get weirder and weirder for folks who like get attached to some of these characters. But I, I have to say, speaking of characters, we, I think everybody agrees that the, the Duncan Idaho, Jason Momoa character being expanded yep. was awesome oh, yeah. and, and added so much, uh, you know, com- comedy and also just like, you know, physical badassery. Honestly, I still wanted the, more, the, though. We need it. No. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my point is that Duncan is a major, yes. major character in the latter yeah, books yeah, yeah. because, you know, as the Gola, you know, and so I kind of saw that as a setup for all of that. I mean, if you want to take one actor and extrapolate him out, which he is literally immortal throughout the series right. and just keep using him, which he just keeps using him over and over <laughs> and over and over. Um, you know, it, it, that's an amazing kind of just thing to hang a lot of this on, you know, going forward and, and talk about. Again, Paul, you know, doesn't really exist later than, you know, book two, kind of doesn't exist in book two, arguably. So, you know, there, there's there's a lot, uh, you know, to, to kind of take the mantle up uh, with the succeeding characters. And I think Duncan, again, was a pretty good presage of all that. That's that's a really good point. If there if there is someone who could take on this franchise, a, a character that you could sort of rally behind, uh, Jason Momoa, Duncan mm-hmm. Idaho mm-hmm. Uh, would be would definitely be a good good candidate. Uh, any well, this has gone way too long, so I'd love to get your final thoughts on on the film, on the experience. See it, Roger, in IMAX again. I'm I'm going to see it again in HBO Max. But yeah, everybody out there listening, see it. Do yourself a favor, whether you've read it, fan of sci-fi, fan of Dune in general, it's just a great movie. I might I might wait till like the hype goes down and the theaters are get a little bit less crowded. Maybe maybe try for that because that's I mean you might have convinced me, especially after I said out loud, admitted to all of you that I listened to it on my AirPods. Uh, feel like I probably have to do this justice. I would like to add on that it is perfect for fans of Dune. I think so far anybody else I've talked to who is another fan of the book, of the series in general, even of the old David Lynch movie, looks at this and goes, oh, this was fantastic. This is clearly the superior version as far as film goes. But I also want to just go ahead and say that this is for fans of not Dune. This is a really good, well-made movie. It's a little melodramatic. It's a little soap opera-y at points, and it's still dense. But if you like well-written political political drama with uh, the hint of sci-fi in there like you don't have to know anything this this movie will lead you through that universe really well so you can go in blind yeah yeah he the director really does do a good job of streamlining what is a very dense complex story like my i watched it with my wife she is she knows nothing about this and she had a couple questions early on but then after that she picked right up and like she was she was into it she she loved the film and she She's not a sci-fi fan like like I am and knows nothing about Doom. So. And you didn't even need a two-minute prologue from Virginia Madsen, so there you no. go. <laughs> there, you, there you go. There you go. Well, David, Brian, thank you for your time. You can check out our full Dune coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. It's time for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>